Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Haven't been here for the last uh, couple of weeks. That's okay, but we're in a series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is part of the New Testament, and we've discovered that it's originally a letter written by one of the early church leaders. Uh, his name was Paul, and he was known as the Apostle to the Gentiles. And basically, uh, what that means is Gentiles was a term that Jewish people used about everyone else except them. So there was Jews. And that's right, you can laugh at that. That's, that, that's what it was. There's Jews, and then there was, and then there was Gentiles. And so what, uh, what uh, being an apostle to the Gentiles means is that although Paul himself was Jewish, he was the person that God was using to spearhead the um, spread of Christianity across, across the globe. And so this book of Ephesians is um, a letter to a church, a gathered group of people, a little bit like us here this morning um, in the city, uh, city sorry, of Ephesus, uh, which was in about where modern-day Turkey is now. And so what we've been doing is going chapter by chapter, highlighting some of the key verses that we've looked at so far. And so chapter 1, we talked about the prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. And Paul's prayer was that the church, that's the people, that they would have a, have a revelation, not just a, not just a head knowledge, not just an emotional experience, not just something like that, but they would have a revelation of the confident hope that can be found in God, like something that shifts how they think, how they act, what they believe, and that they would understand how this revelation that God pow- has power towards us who believe. And so that was uh, chapter one of Ephesians. Chapter two, uh, we talked about, we discovered there was a number of togethers that God has partnered us with Jesus. So uh, the scripture says that he made us alive together with Jesus, says that he raised us together with Christ and that he made us sit together with Christ. And just like a marriage doesn't automatically stay together unless you put some principles and different things in place, uh, we have a responsibility to stay together with Christ. And so we talked about watching the words that we speak. Romans 5 in the message says that sin speaks a dead language to us, but that God speaks our mother tongue. Uh, We talked about um, creating shared experiences with God. It's not just journeying through life in our own strength, but can we recall some shared experiences in prayer, in worship, in hearing God's Word, hearing His uh, prompting and leading, and then stepping out in that. Uh, And then we also looked at choosing God's will over our own, that we partner with Jesus, we partner with Christ, we stay together with Christ by saying, just like Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And so that brings us to uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to look at this verse together, it's right near the end. Uh, You may know it if you've been in church for a bit, if you don't, that's totally fine. It'll be up on the screen behind me. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Amen. I, I love that. If you like me and know it in the New King James Version, you may remember it with the line that says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think, is how it says it in the New King James. It doesn't really matter what translation you're familiar with or whether that was the first time you've ever heard that passage of the Bible. The important thing to grasp here is that God can do greater He can see bigger and He can accomplish more than we could ever ask or dream about in our own human limitations. There's something amazing about the power of God. There's something that's far above just how we think on our human terms, in a human dimension. There's something amazing about God. And I think potentially the most amazing thing is that He uses us That's you and me. He uses all of us in His grand master plan to bring His kingdom to this earth, to see people connected with God in a fresh and real way. He wants you to be part of it. And um, you may know this story already. I, I think I've previously shared parts of it before, but there's something that every time I hear it, every time I think about it, it just, it just inspires me. And I've, I've shared this before, like I said, but some of you won't be old enough to remember the turn of the millennia, but, you know, Y2K, quickly update your Windows computers, otherwise, you know, planes are going to fall from the sky when it gets to zero, zero, and, and all, that, all, that, all that sort of thing. But uh, Chosen, um, and maybe this is because of the New South Wales connection, but Chosen to be put across the Sydney Harbour Bridge at the turn of the millennia, Uh, was the word, can you remember it, was eternity. In fact, I can't believe, do we have the photo of that or did I not put it in there? That would be a no. All right, anyway, just imagine up here, there is like this Sydney Harbour Bridge and if you remember it, you'll know it. If not, you can Google it later or right now if you really want to, that's, that's fine. Just pretend like you're taking notes and I won't notice. But, um, but across the Sydney Harbour Bridge was this Uh, was this word eternity. It was almost like it was like this declaration into the new millennia of the message of Jesus Christ. The declaration that eternity, like uh, Ecclesiastes says, is set in the hearts of every man and every woman. You know, there was, I'm going to offend my uh, New Zealand friends here, but, you know, the turn of the millennia first happened in New Zealand, but no one really watches that on the, um, on, on the TV. But then it came to, it's all right, you can, you can get me later. But then it came to Sydney as one of the first around the planet, and this message of eternity is shone right across the bridge, beamed to millions across the world. You, you may or may not know the origin of this, but almost every day before dawn, for 37 years from about 1930 to 1967, a man called Arthur Stace would write the word eternity in the streets of Sydney in chalk, rendering it in beautiful copper plate script. He was for a long time anonymous his identity and mystery until it was revealed by the Sunday Telegraph in 1956 when Stace was aged 72 years old. He was a former soldier and reformed alcoholic. Stace had converted to Christianity when he heard the evangelist Reverend John Ridley preach at the Burton Street Tabernacle in Darlinghurst about how he wished he could shout eternity through the streets of Sydney. 
John really had preached that night from a verse in Psalm, sorry, not Psalm, in Isaiah 57, verse 12, that starts like this For thus says the, says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Ridley had preached that eternity, like a solitary mountain peak jutting up far above its fellows and standing in stately isolation. This word appeals to me tonight. That was the, that was the message that Ridley had preached in about 1930. Can you imagine if, uh, sorry, something happened in Arthur States that night, a call from God to do something quite simple, just to go out with a piece of chalk and on the pavement, write this word eternity. As the preacher had preached, if only eternity could be shouted on the streets of Sydney, states took up the charge with a very, very simple act, consistently, every day, every morning before dawn, he would walk the pavement of Sydney and write eternity. Can you imagine if in that first morning, you know, that I don't, I don't know when it was, but let's, let's pretend it was like this morning, this amazing, fresh spring morning. Imagine if you got in Arthur Stace's face and said to him, hey, you know what? You know what you're writing here this very first time? What's going to happen is in 70 years' time, this word is going to be put on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and it's going to be beamed to millions upon millions of people. In fact, a guy is going to, uh, you know, in Mandry years later, he's actually going to use it in preaching and he'll probably recycle it again in about five years when you've all forgotten about it. And, you know, (laughs) this is going to be some of the impact of your simple act of writing eternity on the pavement. Let's just think for a second. It was 1930, okay? Television had not yet come to Australia. That was 1956, September, uh, when the, you know, the guy said, you know, the famous words, you know, welcome to television. Have you, have you, have you seen that clip before? Like the very, the very first one. That was 26 years later. In fact, TV was only invented in 1928 uh, in, in the States, in America, two years before this 1930, before he started um, writing eternity. So just think for a second, whatever crazy thing that Elon Musk is working on at the moment that you think will never come to pass, that's probably... If if Stace had even heard about television, that's probably what he thought about it. And yet this simple act that he does, then, like I said, 70 years later, makes something amazing. I believe that God was lining up something after Stace, a faithful man whose life had been transformed by the gospel. God was preparing his message, not only to be beamed across the globe uh, at the turn of the millennia, but also for every individual that ever walked past his words, uh, his chalk writing each and every day. Because why? Because God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to his power at work within us. And so today we want to ask the question, how do we lift our eyes just off temporary? How do we lift our eyes 
of self? How do we enlarge our perspective? And in view of life in the light of eternity, how can we view it the way that God views it? Because there's something powerful that God has for each and every life. There's something that God has for every young person here. There's something that God has for every mature aged person here. There's something that God has for all of our lives that if we will get a hold of His plan and His purpose that He can do exceedingly. He can, he can do significantly above anything we could ask or even imagine as we allow our lives to be shaped by Him. So number one, how do, how do we do that? Number one is this, is we need to understand that you have been made new. Some people are looking, well, so many people are looking for the new. We've all seen the shows, The Biggest Loser, Bring Sexy Back, Extreme Makeover. They all come out maybe on a little bit of a stage like this and say, I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. But, but without downplaying it, they aren't. They're just a slightly better version of the same thing. You know, thinner, better, uh, you know, dress better, more confident, fitter, healthier, better haircut. And why on those shows is the lighting always so bad in the before shot? You know, there's like shadow across the face. Like, this is my before, and then this is my after with amazing lighting, bit of Photoshop touch-up, bit of face app in there, you know, just to, just to really drive home the point. But those things aren't bad. It's great to work on our health. It's great to be fitter, to be healthier. They're good things to achieve, okay? But the problem is that when it comes to Christianity and our walk with Jesus, we tend to sometimes have the similar sort of thought patterns that we think when we come to Christ, it just means we're becoming a better version of ourselves, you know, nicer, not taking drugs anymore, I'm more caring, I act better, I ring my mum now. You know, you know, things like that. We think that that's what, that's what Jesus wants to do for us. But that's just a better version of the same thing. And those things aren't bad. Those things are good. But that's not what the Bible is talking about when we, when we read from Ephesians 2. So kick back a little bit to last week. Ephesians 2, 1 says, uh, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, that's not slightly better. That's not, I've been to the gym every day for the last month and I've bought some new clothes and I've got my hair dyed. That, that, that's, that's slightly better. We're talking about what Jesus does on the inside of us is He makes us completely new. The Bible says that we were dead in our sin and our trespasses, but He made us alive together in Christ. That's not just slightly better. That's not just an upgrade. That's something completely new. And as we understand that if we're in Christ, if we're in Jesus, He has made us new. Not just slightly better, not just 2.0, not just iOS, iOS, yeah, 15 upgrade. No, no, He's made us completely new. When I encountered Jesus for myself at a youth camp of 16 years of age, He didn't say He's a slightly better version of Marty to put on. You know, less pimples, not so much of a bad bowl cut, you know, voice not cracking every five seconds. You know, he's a, he's a slightly better view. No, no, Christ did something in me that was meant, the Bible says, we're a new creation. If anyone is in Jesus Christ, we've been made new, that behold, uh, the old has gone, behold, the new has come. And as we understand that we have been made new, not just upgraded, there's, there's a change that comes. You see, God made me new from the inside out in that moment. Now, did that mean that straight away everything I did was 
out of this new person? Unfortunately not. But I was given, we talked a little bit about this last week, I was given a new position as a son of the Most High God. And I want to tell you that as you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, no matter your age or stage of life, you are given a new position. God makes you new. And then it's out of that position that you then operate. And when we fail and fall short, which we all do quite regularly, we remember, and it's funny, you would think that Rach and I would talk about what we're speaking about um, Sundays, but obviously we don't. But this just links so well to what, uh, what you shared before. Lamentations 3, 22, 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm glad that his mercies never end because I don't know about you, but I need them. I need them regularly. I need them every, sing- every single day. So if we want to see God do infinitely, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, let's remember that by his power, you have been made new. And, and maybe you're here today and you know, at the end of this message, we're going to have a short response prayer time where you can make a decision to allow Jesus Christ into your, into your heart to come in and to make your life new. But, but can I just say, you don't need to clean yourself up to a certain level before that happens. None of us can do that because without Jesus, we all fall short of the glory of God. We, we, don't, we don't need to, you know, sometimes if like people are coming over, you clean up to a certain level, so then, you clean, so then your clean up from the clean up doesn't look so bad. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Sometimes we try and do that with God. We, we uh, came in and did some clean up Friday night because the cleaners were coming on Saturday morning, but we needed to clean up before the clean up happened. Do you know, you know, you know, what, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? All right, because Ephesians 3.12 says this, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now boldly um, and conf- sorry, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Amen. That's the whole reason we have a relationship with Jesus. Not because of family background, not because we've done enough good deeds, not because we've ticked the religious checklist today, but we can all walk confidently into the presence of God because of Jesus Christ and our faith and our trust in Him. So, so how do we lift our eyes out of just temporary, uh, short-changed living? How do, how do we lift up and see the exceeding abundant, abundant vision that God has for us? Well, we need to understand that we're made new, number one. And number two, you need to trust your part. Trust your part. I wonder how many days of doubt Arthur Stace had in his 30-plus years of writing Eternity in Chalk on the pavement. He, he was human, so he must have had days of doubt. I, I wonder if he prayed, God, surely you have something else for me. It's been 10 years it's been down here, writing eternity. It's definitely gotten better. Imagine how good you get after every day doing that for 37 years. You know, it's definitely gotten better. But am I doing anything that makes a difference? Have you ever thought that before with what God's put in front of you? Maybe along the way, he saw others being faithful to God 
And that meant they received acknowledgement from people or promotion or prominence in front of others. We don't know, but we do, what we do know is that God oversees the master plan and He knows, like a great conductor, God puts all the parts together. Uh, in my younger years, I studied music at university, a percussion major. And yes, don't be shocked. You can get a degree in hitting things. It's a, you, know, you can get a hex debt from that. It's, it, it's great. The end of your exam is you have to be able to count to four. You can count to four. You pass. Done. Through. That was a joke. Anyway, um, but uh, as part of, my, part of my study, I got to play in the university orchestra. So up until that point, um, I'd only been involved in high school with like smaller concert bands and they had brass and all those sorts of things. But now this was like the big uni orchestra in our university hall. There was strings. It was, it was exciting. I was definitely the worst because I was the first year, you know, in, in there. But I remember, distinctly remember we did the famous Ravel piece called Bolero. Do you, do, you, do you know that piece? You might know the tune. It's a dun da 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 Anyway, I'll stop there. So it's, it's that famous piece. Now, that famous piece of music has this really important drum part. Really important. It does the same thing for 14 minutes. That's it. For 14 minutes. And it starts really, really soft. And at the end of the 14 minutes, it's really, really loud. That is, the, that is the most important part. That's the part that sticks everything together. It's the part that the conductor looks at. In fact, for that one, he even brought the person who played that right to the centre. That's right, the drummer out of the back, into the front and centre. They put a mask on him. No, I'm joking. Anyway, they put the drummer out of the back, into front and centre to glue this thing all together. Then there was my part. That was not my part. My part was the gong. My part was back, conductor's right, was back right. My part was sit on a chair for the majority of 14 minutes and then play the gong on the first beat of the last six bars of the piece. That was my part. Sit there for 14 minutes. Wait, time yet? Count bars. No, no. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Six finish. Yeah, that was that was that was that was my part. That was my part. Now you may laugh and think, wow, like I said, you have a hex debt for that. But the conductor <laughs> very important. But the conductor was always on to me about making sure my part was there. He was actually quite kind to me. I didn't have to count the bars, he just sort of gave me the look. Like, time to stand up now. You're about to, you're about to play. Get ready. But, you know, this morning, I want to encourage you that whatever you are doing for God, whatever part you're playing, whether you feel like it's big, small, medium, important, whether you feel like it's just filling a gap or you only got asked to do it because there was no one else, I, I want to encourage you that the most important thing for you to do is to listen to what God has for you and be obedient to that part. Because God is the master conductor. He sees how all the parts interlock. He sees the importance of the six gongs in the back corner. He sees the importance of the piccolo part at the front, the French horns over there, the strings here, the trumpets over here. He sees every single part and He knows how they fit together. And He knows that without it, it's not complete. 
Ephesians 5, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, 15, 17 says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. How is He calling you to serve your family, even though the part may seem small? How is He calling you to be a light to your friends, even though you've been doing it for a while, but you don't feel it's making any difference at all? How has He called you to serve your workplace, to be an answer where people have lost hope? How has He called you to serve this community of believers, this church? How is He calling you to play a part? Because whatever it is, God knows that it's important and it's part of His master plan. Ephesians 4, 15, 16 says this. Instead, there'd been a whole bunch of things happening. He says this. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to tell you something. My growth is connected to your growth. That's what the Bible says. Your growth is connected to my growth. That as a body of Christ, as we all play our part, as we all serve Him, as whatever, whatever human opinion we have of the parts God has called us to, as we step into those in obedience, it causes, the Bible says, the body to grow. That causes me to grow. That causes you to grow. That causes all of us to grow because it's connected together. You know, so often we don't know the full extent of our obedience to God, but that's okay. That's okay. Arthur Stace passed away well before the year 2000. And maybe in God's plan, because it's so funny, I was thinking about this. uh, I've put a lot of emphasis on that, but maybe that wasn't even the whole goal for God. Maybe the goal was the individuals that saw eternity written. Maybe had some people just lined up to walk past right at the right time, that eternity, and then speak to people's hearts. I know, you know, as humans, we always go to the, the big show, the spectacular, the thing that's, that's right in front of us. But, but whatever reason it was, we know that God had the master plan for him, and he has the master plan for you. The world wants to ask, well, where's the return on my investment? Can you tag me in that? Can you add me to your story in this? How will this help me out in the long run? But as followers of Jesus, we have a greater peace because we don't worry about all that. We worry about being obedient to God, trusting Him, and knowing that ultimately He has a plan. And as we come to a close this morning and the worship team comes and joins me on stage, I want to encourage you that God has exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think for you. He's got it for your life. He's got, it, he's got a plan for you that lets, that lets you be part of His master plan. No matter, no matter what it looks like in human terms, as we focus on God, as we understand that He is the master conductor, He knows everything that happens And as we trust in Him, something powerful happens in our lives. We understand that what God has goes way beyond our comprehension, that He wants to accomplish infinitely more than we could imagine through us 
our responsibility is to trust our part that he has for us and understand that we're made new in Jesus Christ. We're made new in Jesus Christ. So across this place, I'd love every head to be bowed and eye to be closed. And we're going to give, like I said, a moment, a moment of prayer, a moment of decision to say yes to Jesus. Like, like I said, when Christ comes into our life, when He comes in, He makes us new. Not just slightly upgraded version, not just the next operating system. He makes us new. And this morning, no matter your age or stage of life, maybe you're here and you've never made that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ. You've never made that decision to step into what God has for your life. Well, right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you'd like to make that decision this morning, I'd love you just to lift your hand where you are. I'll see it, acknowledge it. Yeah, that's awesome. So good. You can put your hand. Yeah, I see that hand in the middle as well. So good. I see that hand as well. So good. One this morning. Is there someone else who wants to join these amazing three people and make that decision to allow Jesus Christ to come in and make them new? Jesus, we thank you right now. We thank you right now. Church, let's pray this prayer. Uh, would you repeat it out loud after me for all those making this decision? Let's pray this and mean this in our hearts. Dear Jesus, today I give my life to you. I accept your love and forgiveness. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for making me new. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with all those making a decision right now?